Just past 7 o'clock and a huge show on tap for you as it is most Monday nights. It's time for Iron Sports. This is the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo and Ira, you may be the new Dolphins superfan. I don't think that there's a single Miami Dolphins fan who's been to as many games as you. And you're not even a Dolphins fan, but you do look great today, decked out in all your Dolphins gear. So another live sporting event un- under your belt. I, I love their colors. I really they do I, have nice colors. When I was young and I came down here on vacation and I was like, I think two or three, it was ingrained in my, I think I went to a golfing game when I was like five years old. And I just love, I'm a Steeler fan, but I just like the Dolphin colors so much. I like the Dolphin and I love the song, Miami Dolphins number one. <laughs> <laughs> I just love all about that. I don't like the stadium. I'm starting not to like uh, Hard Rock Stadium. There's things I don't like about it, but I I do like their colors, and I just like I just love their colors. No, listen, I'm with you on that, and we'll talk more about um, you know your escapades at the Dolphins game yesterday. The stadium could definitely it could be in a better location, and it could also be just just better setup, in my opinion. But I haven't even seen it half empty um, like you've been seeing it. But you're right. I mean, even growing up in New York. Your first, you know, starter jacket or anything was probably the Dolphins or the Hornets or one of these teams with cool colors, and that's how people became fans for life. So it's uh, funny how it turned out. And, uh, yeah, we do love the uh, the teal and the orange. Uh, like I said, plenty to talk about tonight. Um, you took in a, an NFL game. We'll get into that. It was also a really big win for the Dolphins, and I can't wait to discuss this with you. But we got to jump into NCAA first. Ira, catch us up with where we are coming into this weekend. Well. It was what was exciting about this is, and I, you know how much I love college football, and and really what happened is that is that you're just waiting for these games, and I want to go through a couple of the, through the championship games because everyone was waiting for something to happen. Where was the upset going to happen that's going to then cause the controversy? And now really we're set with uh, Alabama playing Notre Dame as a twenty point favorite, and Notre Dame and Clemson uh, playing Ohio State as like a ten point favorite around. It'll the, the lines will move around, and that's what we've been at in, in some mixture of that for the, like, before the last, even started before like six ahead. weeks. It's been sort of that, and the idea is that and, and everyone's saying, oh, there's controversy this and controversy that, and the schools that are complaining would be Texas A and M. I mean, what happened was you know Notre Dame lost to Clemson. It was. A loss that was, they got blown out in the first half, but they were able to keep them in the game. So they fell to fourth, but they didn't fall to fifth. They didn't fall back so much. Mm-hmm. So they had their one loss. And I think people looked at the fact that uh, their big win earlier in the year was against Clemson. They also beat North Carolina in a huge win, which North Carolina saw what they did in Miami. So I think that was the idea of Notre Dame being 10 and 1, that they weren't going to fall back to, to fifth. And then, of course, the question was uh, would Ohio State, um, with the win over, um, this weekend over over Northwestern, what would happen to Ohio State? They only have six wins. Is that enough? And the committee that they have, this is a committee, it's not computers. They sit down and they looked and said they felt that was enough. So they stayed it. They moved up to three. Notre Dame fell to four. Clemson moved up to two. And Alabama was was one. But there was the issue is, well, what about Texas A&M? Now, Texas A&M is eight and one. They lost to Alabama 52-24 in the second week. But they had the good win against Florida. But, you know, they beat Mississippi State, Arkansas, South Carolina, LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee. But a lot of these SEC teams weren't that great. And Alabama beat them by a lot more. And yeah. I just think that that win over Florida was good for Texas A&M. But I think it wasn't enough. I think that when you look at the wins, I think the Notre Dame win, because they had the one loss, just like I think the difference between when you cut the hairs between Texas A&M and Notre Dame. Notre Dame had the win over Clemson, which was a bigger win than the win over Florida. And I think that the the loss in terms of what their loss was, they looked like they probably were more competitive in that game. Did, did you? I mean, did you see anybody complaining about the the rankings though? Outside of maybe you know fans of these teams, because did anyone want to see Texas A and M play Bama again? I, I think that's what made it also easier. Yeah. And I think the way they laid it out in terms of not having Clemson Notre Dame play the rematch, like no yeah, one they, complained <laughs> about the fact they didn't make Notre Dame. Notre Dame fell to four, not three. One place four, two place mm-hmm. three. Nobody wanted to see Notre Dame Clemson again yeah, like no. two weeks later. <laughs> but like Cincinnati. So Cincinnati, Tulsa, like I'm there watching on Sunday night, Saturday night, I'm watching the Cincinnati, Tulsa game. So people are thinking, well, what's Cincinnati? They're undefeated, but they haven't played in three weeks. And they struggled in this Tulsa game. Like it was close. I mean, they had to, they had to kick a field goal with no time running out of the clock to win the game. Tulsa's 22nd in the country. It was a nice win, but since they didn't have any victories. And I think last week when we went off air, I said, well, if this happens, this happens, this might get in. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I don't know. I probably that was probably wrong to say. I would regret it. And Florida, what if Florida beat Alabama? Maybe they would have a statement, but now they have three losses. No team with two losses ever got in the playoffs, let alone three. And then Oklahoma, which had the win over um, Iowa State. 
And I think there was they were 10th going into this, but they lost to Iowa State. They lost to Kansas State. They lost two games to start the year. So the point is, no teams got in. Did Oklahoma beat anyone that sounds so great that they should be in? No. no. And that's why. So, again, there's some talk that Oklahoma would get in, but with the two losses hurt them. And then we're going to talk about USC. USC undefeated back 12 team. They lost. So the, really the only argument would have been that Texas A&M should be in over Notre Dame. And... I don't know. There's not this love for that. I mean, if you go down to College Station, Texas, maybe they're, you know, they're certainly <laughs> Jimbo Fisher made a comment. But they had their chance against Tennessee. And while they won the game, like 20 points, they it wasn't just this total blowout. And I feel like, look, they they just I don't think they had the chance. They didn't have those. It was very close. I think it was close between the, Notre Dame and Texas A&M. But Notre Dame, I, I, no one can argue the fact that they beat Clemson. That was their big win. And they beat North Carolina. And their only loss was to Clemson. They didn't have a bad loss. So I think more and more people think we're going to go to the eight-game playoff event or eight-team playoff eventually. I think years like this and almost every year makes a case for the fact that we don't need it. If if the four seed is a 20-plus point underdog to the number one seed, why do we need to see them play an eight seed who'd be a 35-point underdog? Five years ago, I was completely on the different side of it. Me too. And, and now I have changed. I Again, it's like it, like this year, actually, they used to have the BCS where they just take the top two teams. This would be great. Just give us Alabama yeah. and Clemson. Because the point is that they're, they're the, by far the two best teams in the country. But I think the four works and I don't think you should go to eight. And I don't think we would. And I think that it's, you know, against, I think what's going to happen is some of these conferences are going to merge. They only have four power conferences, not five. But the fact is, no, I don't know if we need to go to eight. And I'm, I'm someone who Penn State has got been fifth, you know, in oh, this. Yeah, and not, and not got, there. And they, they haven't got in. And they, when they won the Big Ten the one year, didn't get in. And I thought that was their chance. But look, we lost to Pitt. Like, again, <laughs> the times when we had two losses and lost to Pitt that year. So we lost to Michigan and Pitt and didn't get in. It was like three, four years ago. And I'm like, we didn't, we didn't deserve it then. Like, don't lose again. And that's what I like about college football. We talk about these games. And people say, why talk about the coach? Because that's what makes about college football so great. Every game matters. Like, if the Jets beating the Rams yesterday would have been the reason why the Rams don't make the, because that's a bad loss, you're never going to win the Super Bowl. Then that's like, that's, if that's college. <laughs> that's exciting. And that's what I love about college football. So now I'm, I'm okay with four. I, I mean, I never thought I would say this. And I think this is blasphemous for myself to say, but it worked out this year. And I think it worked out. And no one going into this, people were like, oh, eight. You had to go eight this year. I think it worked out fine. No, I, I agree with you. And, and like you said, five years ago, I wanted the eight team. The only time I've ever wanted to see it, Ira, or I really wanted to see it, was the was UCF when they were on their run. I would have liked to see them go in and probably lose by 40 to an Alabama. Uh, you're listening to Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel, and Mike Balsamo. So one team that I, I think their fans would have been fighting for them to have a chance would have been an undefeated USC team. They are no longer undefeated. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Oregon had going in. That was the team. Unfortunately for Oregon, that was the team that people felt – would have a very good chance to get into it because they were ranked high when the season started, but they ended up losing to Oregon State in California, so they had no chance. Washington was supposed to play USC. Washington couldn't play because of COVID reasons, so then you bring Oregon in. Uh, Mario Cristobal, we're familiar with him down in South Florida. He was at FIU, got uh, mm-hmm. fired from FIU, went became to Alabama, and suddenly got this job at Oregon, and people were talking now his name everywhere to Auburn or different jobs. The one thing I thought was interesting, we're going to talk about Justin Herbert in a few minutes. Justin Herbert was, you know, he had Justin Herbert. This quarterback who now people are saying probably one of the best young quarterbacks, maybe not if the best young quarterback. When did Oregon win the national title? They were 9-4 and two years ago. How did Justin Herbert lose four games in college football? Like, it's ridiculous. What was Mario Cristobal doing with this team? And they were 12-2 and last year. Like, so I think that's a question when I look at this team. But USC is a crazy team. They had come back in three of their five games, like, on the last play of the game. They're sort of like the the LA Chargers (laughs) or the the Houston Texans in terms of these crazy games. But uh, Kendall Slovis, who's their star next year, if he comes back, will be one of the Heisman frontrunners. He threw two interceptions early. Oregon's up 14-0 at halftime. It's 21-14. Oregon was crazy. They were using, they brought this guy, Anthony Brown from Boston College. Anthony Brown hadn't played all year at all, and they were using him as quarterback every now and then. So it was like this crazy lineup. But in the second half, it was uh, USC scored, it was up like 2014, game is almost over. But then USC uh, was worked their, their way back into it. And then in the fourth quarter, they're down 31 17 with 10 minutes to go. And I'm like, if it wasn't, if I haven't watched USC play all year with these crazy comebacks, even if they're playing a terrible team. But they were down th- by 14 points, and they're 
Slovis on a fourth quarter drive. He had 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions just this year in five games in the fourth quarter. I mean, Mr. Fourth Quarter, like Tom Brady. And then six minutes to go in the game. USC was in goal line, third down, and they scored another touchdown, make it 31-24. And, uh, but then Slovis threw his third interception. They were going down to score again, and he threw his third interception, and Oregon had held on to win. And uh, it was their uh, sixth conference title in 12 years. So talk about a dominant team. Like we saw Oklahoma win. We're, we saw Clemson win. Uh, the, just in Alabama, these these dominant teams in this conference, Oregon came in and uh, back-to-back and, and their six conference titles. But what it did for the purposes, eliminate, there's no Pac-12 undefeated team. Oregon, of course, has no shot. They had two losses and they only had what, four wins. So the point is they didn't have a chance and USC is out of the mix. Let's talk about uh, Northwestern, who we got to see square up against Ohio State. This is another team I didn't think this game was going to be this close. I, I know Northwestern's ranked, but I didn't see this coming. Well, it was so I thought this game was so interesting to watch because Ohio State was missing a lot of players for COVID reasons. Justin Fields, everybody, this was his chance to show because everyone's saying now we're talking about the draft. Like everything between the NFL and college plays in because you're like thinking, okay, the Jets might have the second pick. Well, they'll be get Justin Fields. But then if you're a Jet fan and watch that game, you're like, I don't know if I want Justin Fields. Is he better than Sam Darnold? So if the question is, is Justin Fields better than Sam Darnold? That's not a question you want to have because he did not look good in that game. I know he got banged up a little bit, but he didn't look. He hasn't looked good the last couple games. And it was one of those weird games where they're favored by 18 and a half. And, and you've got to give Pat Fitzgerald a lot of credit for Northwestern. And he's someone who... Everyone is talking about another job because it's two times in three years he's been in the Big Ten Championship game. Northwestern clearly does not have the athletes at all no. that these other teams have. I mean, I, you could take – there might be a, not a player on Northwestern team that can pl- get, get a position in, in mm-hmm. Ohio State. Is it like a third or fourth string, and he's able to, to win. And, and, and they and, might have tighter academic restrictions than restrictions at Notre Dame even. Yes, and probably at the Stanford level and those type yeah. of things. And it's just tremendous in terms of what he, what he was able to do. And – Ohio State the first half. They had three trips in the red zone. They had one field goal, uh, one interception, and uh, and two three three and outs. I mean, just a total or two, two field goals, one interceptions, and two three and outs. Uh, Fields threw an interception at the end zone of the first half. They're losing 10-6. I mean, it was just what I didn't understand about Ohio State is you're standing there. You see their offensive line. They're enormous. And it's like, stop throwing the ball. Fields is, is a, making a mess out there with the interceptions, with the incompletions. They're having starting Alave, who's their great wide receiver, who had COVID, was not able to play in the game. So they couldn't. They were just bad. Just run the ball. I just couldn't understand. And people were texting, like, why is Ryan Day, this genius, the coach, the smartest man in the world, all this other stuff, what's he doing? Like, you could just see <laughs> that just dominate the line. And then in, uh, in the second half, um, Ohio State got an interception on Northwestern, which was key. But then Fields threw another interception, I mean, in the second half. It was just with the, the wrong play. And then uh, they missed, Ohio State missed a field goal. And then, um, then they just started to say, wait, Trey Sherman is a good running back. And he hadn't really broken even 100 yards, I think, one time during the whole year. But they started, so he had seven straight runs, five by Sermon, no passes, 13-10. And then uh, Ohio State did nothing again to get the ball back after the uh, Northwestern. They passed the ball twice. Like, just keep giving the sermon. <laughs> and then it was neat. They showed Pat Fitzgerald before the fourth quarter because they were down uh, 13-10. And they're down 13-10 going into the fourth quarter. And he gathered the whole team. And he goes, if you told me in September when we started playing that they would be here at the conference game in a fourth quarter with this chance, like right on the field, he's giving this speech. And you could hear it because there's no fans in the stands. <laughs> and it was like so motivational. And the players were, it was like, I loved how he gave that talk. And it's like, you wanted to be here. This is what you wanted. You're here. The moment is now for you to take it. Like, it was really, I was like very like, remember the Titans type of line, like something like that. Um, but th- right after he gave the speech, then uh, Patrick Ramsey, the quarterback, fumbled the ball. Oh, see. <laughs> oh, they got a field goal made at 16-10. But Northwestern just couldn't. Northwestern had the sixth best rushing defense in the United States. And and then they went on a nine-play 80-yard drive. They just gave it to Sermon eight straight times. Oh, he just kept running up down the field. He had, so they made it 22-10. Um, and uh, that was the, the way it ended. But uh, Sermon had 29 carries for 331 yards, two touchdowns. He broke the Ohio State single-game record held by Eddie George. The team had 400 yards in rushing. Uh, Justin Fields was horrendous. 12 for 27, 114 yards, two interceptions. Uh, just really no Heisman talk, no any talk or whatever. But it was like one of those games where it's like, what? why did you just not run the ball? I mean, Sermon was unstoppable. There were plays where they were just dragging people around. And he's a transfer from Oklahoma. He played in Oklahoma, came, came to Ohio State. But I just think it was enough. It was like one of those wins. So they won 22-10. And, it was, and you just watch the game and you're like, it was just enough to that – 
it wasn't like a last play where Ohio State would get in. Like I think someone said if it was a tight game, they wouldn't get in, but it was enough. They won by 12, and, and they're in the playoff. No, it was definitely enough. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to see them going on because it, it is the better team, you know, than, than a Texas A&M type squad. Um, I got to tell you, I, I like Lincoln Riley. I don't know how much I like Oklahoma, though. And I really wanted them to, to lose to uh, Iowa State, and it just they just didn't have enough. It was a weird game because at one point you're like, it, they're up 17 nothing, And you're like, again, this was eye test type games. And you know the committee sitting there with all their TVs. They keep going to the committee mm-hmm. that's watching it. And you're waiting for Oklahoma. They have two losses. Now, what if Oklahoma beats Ohio, Iowa State 60 to nothing? Like if something crazy like that. And what if these other teams lose? Because now this is early 12 o'clock game. And you're like, what's the statement Oklahoma's going to make? So they're up 17 nothing. They're cruising along. And Iowa State lost their best quarterback. This horrendous targeting call they gave. But right at the end... Uh, of the first half, they uh, it was 17-7. Uh, Iowa State scored a touchdown. That was 24-7. So you're like, okay, it's 24-7, ready to blow it out. But then Oklahoma scores three points the rest of the game. I mean, I, and Iowa State really had no offense whatsoever. It was a mess. It was like a weird game, but they end up scoring two touchdowns. And then Iowa State, with two minutes left, had the ball, and only uh, Brock Purdy threw an interception. But it was like one of those. Uh, also, people think Brock Purdy is going to be a draft pick in the NFL. I do not see him. I mean, again, I've watched uh, Iowa State play three three games, not been impressed with him at all, especially against the tougher competition. But. Uh, Again, they held on to win the game, but uh, 27-21. But it wasn't one of those statement games where you're like, oh, Oklahoma won 60 to nothing with their two losses. They didn't give me anything to say, like, you're going to be in the, in the mix for the, for, the, for, the beast for the Final Four when you, don't, when you win by six in your conference championship game. No, I, I agree. And I think eye test is a good word for it because they're on display. And if you don't do something fantastic, you're not going to jump any of these teams. Kind of the same situation we saw with Texas A&M, Ira. Well, Texas A&M, again, that game was weird. T- Tennessee... You you don't, if you're gonna, if you need to, if you know you have to blow a team out, you don't go down seven nothing when you're when you're going to the game uh, like a thirteen point favorite and Tennessee's only three and seven and has been terrible and most of their team has already quit on their team. So it was one of those games where they dominate the statistical categories, but just in the scores thirty four thirteen and it was it was like at the end of the half it was twenty four thirteen. They only scored ten points the second half. It's like Texas A and M, Kellen Mond. Look, 26 for 32, 281 yards, great. Isaiah Spiller's a good running back. But it wasn't something that just said, oh, my gosh, Texas A&M, 60 to nothing. I mean, they just weren't able to get away from Tennessee and just not an impressive performance. And I think I was – look, not many people were watching the game. I had four screens going. I just wanted to, I wanted to see if, if, they were, if things worked out, if Clemson would get their second loss. Like, there's a chance that Texas – like, they – Oklahoma didn't have a, Oklahoma had a chance to make a statement. They didn't. Texas A&M had a chance to make a statement. They didn't. USC had a chance to win their game. They didn't. So you're watching all these things happen, and, and no one's making the statement. Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel, I'm Mike Balsamo. So let's go over to Notre Dame and Clemson. This is going to be obviously one of the games of the day and a rematch of a great game from earlier in the season. This one wasn't so close. It wasn't so close. I mean, it was like you, Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence in that game, and his backup DJ played phenomenal. And it was a great, tremendous game. And But remember we talked about when the game was over? I said – Notre Dame fans rushed the field and they didn't let Clemson off the field. Yeah. And I was, I think, Tacky. I thought it was, I thought not letting Clemson off the field. So like, oh, it was uncontrollable when there was not that many fans, but enough to fill the whole fans in the stadium came. Like, you got to let Clemson off the field with the COVID issues. With even if without COVID, you don't want to surround these teams. And like Trevor Lawrence is standing there, is like, look, I didn't play in this game. We didn't have a lot of other players to play because of COVID. And suddenly you know, I have 10,000 fans <laughs> surrounding me. And I think it was, it was too much. It was too much over the top that Notre Dame and I, and Clemson, that was bull. Bulletin board. They didn't need a bulletin board. They saw it for themselves. Yeah. Well, they were standing for five to ten minutes, surrounded with a sea of Notre Dame fans, taunting them, yelling at them. Like that was all they needed. And uh, but also James Skalski, who's a linebacker, and Tyler Davis, two defensive players. Uh, Skalski's a linebacker, Tyler Davis, a defensive lineman. Two guys are going to be drafted to the NFL. They didn't play in that game either, and they missed. They might have missed them more than they missed Trevor Lawrence because when they came in, they played fantastic. And and uh, so the point is, Notre Dame got a field goal to start the game three nothing. And but then and Lawrence then throws a, he, an interception. So his first interception out of 313 passes with the blitz. And but Notre, then the game turned when Notre Dame missed a field goal. And then suddenly it's like, boy, your chance. Like Clemson got out to this poor start. And then Lawrence 
uh, Amari Rogers, 67, 67 yards, 7-3. And then Notre Dame goes for a fourth down, doesn't get it. And then E.J. Williams catches another touchdown pass, 14-3. Then Lawrence to Rogers for, you know, for a long pass, then 17-3. And then it was like at the, end of the, at the end of the first half, Clemson was driving, and Lawrence forgot. It, either he forgot the down, but he threw the ball like his time was running out. So he threw the ball, so it was down, so it made it a fourth and like one. Because I think he was like yeah. trying to down it, but he had time. And so they just run the ball, and Tavis Entienne, their great running back, that – a tremendous run, 44 yards for a touchdown. So it was 24-3 at the halftime. And unlike Oklahoma 24-3, you really didn't feel that uh, Notre Dame was going to come back. In the second quarter, Clemson outgained Notre Dame 228-50. to And uh, the second half was just more of the same. Lawrence, uh, another touchdown pass to uh, make it 31-3. Then, it was, then at that point, so then I'm, then I'm watching the game for another thing. Because then you're watching it. It's 31-3, third quarter. Is this game going to be 61-3? Like, you've seen games when Florida, like, you've seen some of these games get totally out. But I think in some ways, Clemson wanted two ACC teams in this because they get actually more. I mean, I'm not saying they did it on purpose, and I know Notre Dame played hard, but Dabba Sweeney definitely let out the gas pedal, like to blow them out because he didn't do that. Like he knew Clemson was going to be in because they really it just it was one of those things where they just they 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 just you know continued to win thirty four ten, but they didn't make the score fifty to fifty to something, and that but that allowed Notre Dame. So Notre Dame lost by twenty four, but not by a margin that you would say, oh, they don't deserve to be in it. Like a few years ago, Oklahoma one time lost so much that there was a question why they should be in the playoff when they were mm-hmm. undefeated going into the game and they lost by like 40 points and then there was a big controversy. I don't think, so Notre Dame lost, but it wasn't like they lost, the score wasn't 50 to, to three. And I think that was key, that Notre Dame actually kept them in and didn't blow them out was, made the big difference. Well, so Ian Book's already basically played himself out of the Heisman Trophy um, competition. You think he's playing himself out of the NFL or at least pushing his, his draft stock way down? Well, I thought it was so funny. Chris Mad Dog Russo, I almost crashed my car when I was listening to the <laughs> Mad Dog radio. He made a comment that he goes, I have a Heisman vote and I'm not going to watch the Florida-Alabama game because Ian Book has my vote because I think Ian Book deserves it. That's and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know about you know, he had 219 yards in the game, but he certainly wasn't in the Heisman con- It wasn't in the conversation in terms of, you look at Book, he makes these big plays. I mean, Notre Dame had been making plays all year, and their win over North Carolina was impressive. But this game, he just was not able to make the plays, and Kyron Williams wasn't able to run. Clemson showed on defense what they were able to do. Uh, but it was... It, I, does he, is he is he a top first round draft pick? Maybe he's like a sixth or seventh round draft. Pick. Someone yeah. you want to bring in uh, as a player, but I don't know. I don't think he's one of those elite players. There are so many good quarterbacks coming out from the Trask uh, and Mac Jones, of course Fields and Lawrence and Zach Wilson from BYU. From BYU who, yeah. So there's a lot of other quarterbacks in those first and second rounds. I just don't think Ian Book now watching Ian Book become this <laughs> Patrick Mahomes <laughs> type of player. I don't think he has the arm strength. If you watch the game, he doesn't seem to have the arm strength to be an elite NFL quarterback. Um, let's go to Cincy and. Tulsa. Yeah, we just mentioned that earlier, but that was the point where there was some talk that Cincinnati being the American Conference, and people viewed that like with Central, when Central Florida had that big run, and then they came back, and people thought, well, maybe if a team, and now is a power, they call it a group of five, not the power five, mm-hmm. uh, would a conference like that, if they went undefeated, would they have a chance? And Cincinnati, though, they hadn't played since November 21st. They were on, had a lot of momentum, but again, they just moved on the in the final poll. They only moved up to uh, to to nine or actually a nine. So they didn't really move up that or eight. You know, it just, they didn't get enough love because they didn't beat anyone. They didn't have a signature win outside their conference because they couldn't play outside the conference. Yeah. And that's what, and I thought there was some point where if there's enough losses. And so the coach, Luke Fickle, was all mad. And the conference commissioner said, how in the world is any team ever going to get in there? But I think it's going to take, you're going to have to have a humongous win. Like Central Florida's going to have to play Alabama somehow, schedule that, win that game, and then go undefeated your conference. That might be it. And you'll have to have other losses. So it is hard for these teams to get in. But Cincinnati, I think not playing in three weeks just took them out of the conversation. And, and you're right comparing them to UCF because that's what it was. It was they, they you, you can beat everybody, but if you didn't beat anybody good, you know, and hindsight's twenty twenty. You didn't schedule these. You didn't know your team was going to be this good. You got to schedule years in, it, in advance. It works out that way, but it, it is disheartening for some of the smaller uh, smaller franchises. Alabama and Florida, Ira, this game I, I felt like could have been huge. If Florida p- pulled out the win here, it would have been a totally different story today. But regardless, they did not uh, have what it takes. 52-46. Um, it was... 
I, my mom, even when it was done, I, I should use her as a commentator on this. It was phenomenal to watch. I mean, it was like one of those games where I just, I just like watching Alabama play football. I just think they're so exciting and they're big plays. And it's like this game is the exact opposite of New England, Miami. Like, there's no, <laughs> like, this is like, you would take like the six string wide receiver on both these teams. You're like, could you just put them in this game? Could you please just throw somebody at this game? Because they just are so fast and they, catch the balls and it was high scoring and just tons of excitement uh there was like at the end Devontae Smith and the first play Bama gets the ball Devontae Smith who's their su- superstar wide receiver who now is the Heisman Trophy front runner uh made a big play Najee Harris their great running back who's also in the Heisman race he ran it and make it seven nothing and then Kyle Pitts who's back in the game remember Florida lost last week to LSU without Pitts Pitts Boy, could you could you see him on how? What NFL team would want to have someone like Kyle Pitts? I mean, he ca- he is. It looks like he's seven feet tall. He catches every ball. He runs down. He's strong. He's everything that you'd want. And he catches the ball and trash to Tony. They tied it up seven seven. And then on a big play on this, so the Alabama, Alabama gets the ball next. Mac Jones threw an interception. So his interception. If Florida's running it back with maybe a chance to score a touchdown on the run back, but the the person who intercepted it fumbled it, and Devontae Smith recovered it for Alabama. So, <laughs> and the next next play touchdown to Smith. So they were able to score there, and then uh, Florida had another field goal, uh, made it fourteen ten, and Bama was stopped on the first drive, but. Again, Florida made some bad mistakes. They stopped Bama. So here's Bama, this offense that's unstoppable. But then you're doing a hands-of-the-face penalty. Like, stupid penalties gave mm-hmm. another chance. Harris, another touchdown to make it 21-10. Florida had to punt. Then Jones, uh, Mac Jones threw to Harris, another touchdown, 27-10. to And then it was like, it was at this point, uh, they went down there and scored. Florida scored, made it 27-17, leaving Alabama with like 30, 40 seconds to go. What does Alabama do? Drive down, touchdown again. <laughs> so it was 35-17 at halftime. They out, uh, Alabama 22 first downs to Florida's nine, uh, 366 yards in one half. Mac Jones had 200, had four touchdowns interception in the first half. Um, um, Nigel Harris had four touchdowns. It was just insane what was happening. I mean, they had the ball five times and scored five touchdowns. But then the second half comes in, and Florida just didn't give up. I mean, that's what you knew Florida was going to have. And I think. Like, if you're Florida, you're like, if we could have just kept the game closer and didn't feel like it's almost like they caught Alabama, but they were trying to come back too much to try to catch them. And uh, they, all, they finally scored a touchdown. They got Bama, got a three and out. And, uh, but then they got another touchdown. Florida made it like 35-31. And, uh, but Najee Harris had that run. He had one of those runs where he was leaping over people, running everywhere, had five touchdowns in the game, and made it 42-31. Uh, but it was like one of those things where, where Florida, again, stayed in, stayed in the game. Um, they threw it down to make it 52-46. And they had one timeout left, and they, and they took it. But, uh, and they, you know, they had one timeout left to try to score, but Alabama was able to hold them off at the end and, and stop them. I mean, the Alabama defense did not play well. I mean, they, they, they gave up, I think it was like 400 or some yards of offense, uh, but they were able to you know, do enough to win the game. Mac Jones ended up with 418 yards, five touchdowns, one interception, Nigel Harris, 178 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Smith, 15 catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. Um, with 600 yards for Alabama, 462 for Florida. Trask had a good game at 400 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, but it's like Florida didn't have a running game all year. Um, and it was just one of those things where they're just, they played well, but they, and again, don't lose. To, this is what I'm mad about Florida. Don't lose to Texas A&M. And don't lose to LSU. Yep. You lose this game, you probably get in. Oh, over they're, they're in. If like, this was get, their only loss, they're if in. If this was their only loss. So Florida's no one else to blame. Don't blame or whatever. You don't lose to Texas A&M, which you should have won that game when they played sloppy. You, you, you throw a shoe against LSU and lose that game. And then you <laughs> lose never this game. And then you're going to get that game over Notre Dame. So it was like one of those losses where I think Florida could be mad. But now we'll see what happens. They're going to lose Dan Mullen. What's going to happen with the team? But, but the point is... They don't have a chance, and, and it was just a super exciting game to watch. You're listening to Iron Sports. It's on the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo here as well. Let's talk about um, the schedule for these bowl games, and I think we're going to have the Rose Bowl not played at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it's going to move to <laughs> – they moved the Cotton Bowl, and I, I, a lot of commentators were criticizing Brian Kelly. Even Ryan Day made some questions. They're like, look, if we're going to play, it goes to the Rose Bowl, and we can't even bring students there. Like, the, the Rose Bowl seats 100,000 people. You can't bring 500, 500 people to, uh, that are family members to watch. Like, not students, just family members. Um, they even let them play at Penn State. So I thought that was like the stadium seats 110,000. You can't put 500 people socially distanced around a 110,000 seat stadium, but they can go to a gas station and wait in line there. <laughs> I, I mean, it's crazy. So they decided to move it to the Cotton Bowl. I think that was a smart move to move it to the Cotton Bowl for that. For that. And now it's going to be a Dallas. Uh, Bama plays Notre Dame, you know, favored by 20, and Clemson plays Ohio State at New Orleans by seven. Some inter- other interesting bowls. Tuesday, 
uh, at Boca Bowl, which I'd love to go to. What but a I great mean, matchup. Fantasy draft. Yeah, UCF and BYU. Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson is going to be a starting quarterback somewhere in the NFL next year. He is has loaded with talent. I mean, Josh, he looks like Josh Allen. Like, yeah. everything about him says Josh Allen. And we're seeing how Buffalo is doing with Josh Allen. And then uh, December 29th in Orlando, Oklahoma State uh, versus Miami. It doesn't look like Miami's going to have many players. Everybody seems to be opting out of that game. And December 30th, an interesting matchup, Florida-Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. And what I like about this time of year is, on Friday the 1st, there's four games. Two of them will be the, the semifinals. Saturday the 2nd, there's four other games. The Orange Bowls that night the, against Texas A&M, UNC, which I probably go to in that. And then Sunday the 3rd is the last game of the regular season. So I just love all this. You know, I think that's pretty cool. So, I think it's so you know, we were talking before we went on air about teams opting out of the of bowl games. And you kind of are not offended by this, but you think it's not really right to do to some of the younger players on the team. Well, I think they probably voted. Again, I... I understand why with COVID testing and there's rules. But again, these guys are going, if you're going to go to Penn State to play football, you are playing, you're going every day to lift your conditioning. Like this is your, this is a full time, we're in shape job. And a lot of these players, they can only like, they're players, they played in high school. They played offense and defense. They played every position. They played every minute of every game. So the last two years, they might have been riding the bench because there's other players that are playing in front of them. We had Sammy Coates on, talked about in Alabama, how you have to bide your time. But this is their chance in a bowl game to show, like, it's like, okay, you saw me coach in practice. I can't hit. Let me go out and play these games. I just think you're doing a disservice to some of these younger players that really, this is their chance. I know the bowl experience isn't there. They're not going to tour the sites. They're not going to see the things. But to me, it's an extra game. It's going to be an extra game. Usually the seniors would play. They're going to go to the pros. A chance for these younger players, instead of saying, Coach, look at me at uh, lift weights and run conditioning and do these other things. This is me. I'm a football player. Like when you put the pads on and the game and you put the ball out, that's what I play. I'm a football player. This is my chance to show it. Now they're not going to get that chance. I, I think you go you go for these games. And I know everybody knows it doesn't matter. I, I, would have try, I would have tried to play. I think what happens is a lot of, I don't know, maybe some of these coaches didn't want to play because they didn't want to have bad losses on the record or whatever. Yeah. But I, I think, again, it's not like it was the games ended, the season ended November 28th, and then the Bulls are like January. Like, you know what? We're not going to do anything for a month. Like, I understand how teams had a bad year. But a lot of these teams started late. They've been playing. It's only a week away for most of these games. Today's December 21st. It's like the games are nine days away. Go play the game. Like, <laughs> that's what they do. So, and I understand. And look, you're going to these big-time schools. I know Christmas is the middle, and you want to see your families and everything. But if you're going to these schools, you think you're playing in the Bulls games you're not going home to see the families anyway in the time because you're gonna be in the middle you're gonna be playing for a national championship or playing for conference championships how do you think the heisman's gonna shake out here well i don't know <laughs> that's what i'm just i think that i would say i see trevor lawrence at like 15 to 1 and i would put some money i think i'm not saying he's gonna win but because Devonte smith is the favorite um, Devontae Smith, Trask has, I mean, Trask has 43 touchdowns and five interceptions for Florida, 4,000 yards. But he lost the game where he said he had to win. Mac Jones, 32 touchdowns, four interceptions, um, 3,700 yards, 77% completion percentage. You would think that Alabama quarterback would get it. But with Devontae Smith having 100 catches, 1,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, first in the country in receiving, Najee Harris has 1,300 rushing, third in the country in rushing, 24 touchdowns. Just tremendous. You have these three guys on one team, you could think they're going to split the vote. If, if you love Alabama, you're one guy's going to put Devontae. You rank the people how you want them. So I think that maybe Trevor Lawrence might have a chance to sneak in there, knowing that he's going to be the first pick in the draft. So if the people who love Alabama divide their votes, like some people vote for Smith first, some Harris, some whatever, there's a chance that that maybe Trevor Lawrence might get in there. I would put money on Trevor Lawrence to win the Heisman. Um, because at 19 to 1, it seems like good odds. No, that, that makes perfect sense. I didn't even think about it that way, but I think i got a shekel or two to throw on that. <laughs> Let's go to the NFL, Ira, and so I think at this point, you may have attended more Miami Dolphins games than Salvan Ahmed or Lynn Bowden. <laughs> so it's absolutely amazing. You were there yesterday. Tell us about it. Well, I went there, and again, I just don't think I'm going to get used to going to football games without uh, in, in after COVID because it's so easy. You literally just drive your car, park, walk over, go in, no lines. It's, it's, it's so easy. Now, they seem to have less tickets at this stadium. It was harder for me to buy a, uh, the singles that I wanted. It was hard at this stadium because they didn't let you buy a single ticket alone. It was very difficult, and there seemed to be less seats available. Would they want you to buy four? Well, you had to buy groups of six, groups oh, of eight, wow. whatever, and the prices were high. And I think the Patriot fans, like you get 
Like for some reason, this game was more expensive to go to than the Kansas City game, which you think would be even yeah. worse. But I think the Patriots fans want to see the Patriots their one chance to watch them. Um, but I didn't get. I had sat like on the goal line, which in like twenty five rows up, and the way the stadium is sat, it it wasn't really a good seat in terms of watching all the action. And I was on over the tunnel where the Dolphins run out, so I was on all the action was on the other side of the stadium. So I wish it was on my side where I got to see where people have. So it was okay. And also they put the tarp in front of so that they put tarp in front of the seats in front of us like 20 rows and they attached the tarp and I had pretty long legs and I, it was on, on my side of the seat so I had like no leg room whatsoever when the tarp was there but they were very strict Any, everyone who criticized me like oh what about social distance masking they had it seemed like they had more security people than they had people in the stands like everyone was coming around yelling about masking like there was a group of six people that were there that clearly and they showed up in the middle of the second quarter. They were drunk and they started clearly not listening to the mask and they were giving like all these cards and warnings. Like I was counting on my new warnings they were going to get. And oh, finally, yeah, they, they lasted like, they didn't even last a halftime. They were thrown out. Like I was like, I was like, what are they going to get thrown out? And finally they were, they were to asked to leave. But it was like, so it was like exciting. It was, look, I love going to these games. Um, and uh, it was exciting to be at the Dolphin game. And, and you know, you're, and we wonder what the fans would be with a team that is now finally winning and with Tua and the excitement with it. The game itself, you know, being there, it just it wasn't one of those where they're making big plays. It wasn't that excitement level. It was just a weird type of football game. Well, let's talk about the game. Uh, and this was New England had to win to stay alive in the AFC playoff race. Miami has to – not that they had to win, but they really want to keep winning as Buffalo keeps rolling. They, they're trying to get in, and they haven't locked that down yet. So um, Miami needed this one, and they did enough to get the win, Ira. You know, it's Miami needed it because it looks like Baltimore keeps winning. So the point is yeah. that they're, 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 even though the Raiders, you know, the, the, you thought what's the, what's the position with the Raiders next week, but really now because these other teams are winning, you Miami's got to keep winning. Yeah, like Browns like, haven't, haven't started losing. Yeah. It's tough. Um, this was the New England's worst record. They finished. There's going to be six and eight. The best they could be is eight and eight. Their worst record since 2000 since they drafted Brady. Um, and uh, the Pats had 19 straight winning seasons. The Cowboys had 20. And now the Cowboys are going to have that record for the next 20 years or whatever. How many years would go? Miami was missing the three top wideouts, Avante Parker, Jaquin Grant, and Mike Kosicki. And we talked about how Lynn Bowden is going to have to have a big game with no wide receivers. And then Ahmed, who is undrafted rookie, is <laughs> the first 100-yard rusher finally in Miami in, in two years. Um, but both teams... They were not just conservative running the ball. They were conservative passing the ball. Like, I don't think a pass went like 20, 30 yards down the mm-hmm. field. It was just very short passing the entire well, Cam game. Cam Newton can't physically. <laughs> it, was, it was just, but Tua was like, you look at his line, 20 for 26. So he missed six incompletions, but 145 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, and two touchdowns running. But wait, did you think that Tua was so amazing in the game? I mean, it was like that first interception he threw, they, they drove the whole way down, 15 play, 95 yards down. 90, it took nine minutes, 11 seconds, and it was a running clock. I, I literally think that whole drive took 10 minutes. Like, they didn't stop the clock one time, then he throws an interception in the end zone. And it's just like he let New England in the game. New England's offense was doing nothing. It was 6 nothing, but it was like it just could not move, the, it just could not score the touchdowns um it was crazy looking at you know looking through the afc ira this is insane i don't think there's ever been so much uh top heavy teams as i've seen in this division there's six teams that have double digit wins and there's two weeks to go that's insane you they could have nine ten teams that reach 10 wins so it's going to be someone's going to be the odd man out so good on miami for uh, for getting that win yeah and there was also it was weird so many weird plays that one play there cam newton um, he fumbles the ball, just dropped the ball, <laughs> and uh, and Xavier Kevin Howard ran him. it ran it down for a touchdown. But I saw where it's like where he touched the ball. That, and that that review took 25 minutes, I think, on the field. Like it <laughs> took forever for them to review where they touched it, and they decided to kick a field goal. But it was like one of those things where just New England just could not get a touchdown, could not get the ball, and could not move the ball. And but I just like Miami did not do anything either. I mean, there was they had another drive where they're just running, running, running. And they, but they had I got to give Kim Gilly some credit. They had on the when they scored the one touchdown to go uh, to score the two point conversion. The hook and ladder play was tremendous with where they threw it out to uh, um, uh, Ahmed and just to run in. I thought that was pretty cool. And then um, but it's like the Patriots in a game like this had eight times, eight possessions, eight drives the entire game. And now they scored, they scored on four of them, but they were only four field goals. But the time of possession was 38 to 22. New, New England ran only 50 plays. Miami ran 70 plays. And New England was just two for nine on third down. And Cam Newton was just, 
it's one of these things where like you're just waiting for him to come back and do something and it just it wasn't there and Miami's, that ship has sailed for me <laughs> <laughs> but i you gotta like miami's defense i mean baker was able to get pressure at the end of the games they're, they're getting some pressure on on the defensive line which was the offensive line and xavier howard big play after big big play um so i gotta get i'm giving miami credit on defense they're doing what they have to do winning these games I, I am I blown away by Tua is so amazing. I mean, he's young and he's learning how to play the People game. People are really getting ahead on Tua. I think everywhere you hear, "Oh, Tua is the future." We, we got our quarterback. I haven't seen that much yet. No, I'm not. Give him some, but he has no wide receivers. So on one hand, you have excuse. He has no wide receivers at all. Lynn Bowden had like six catches for 55 yards. Played great. Lynn Bowden is going to be a. Uh, he's going to be on this team for years to come. He does everything out there. And when you're there watching the game line, he is so hard to take down. Like when they try to tackle him, you could see they need two or three people to take him down. Like he is strong. He's a guy from Kentucky. He played quarterback. He was like where the, last year, Kentucky just gave him the ball and just said, just do, just run we every play, pass it, run it. <laughs> just you have the ball. We don't care and whatever and I, he's very strong and I think he's going to play a big role when he's uh, they need this team needs a stretch wide receiver they need some one of these two they need Devontae Smith Jamar Chase they need from uh, from the LSU who didn't play this past year just somebody they, they, they cannot just throw five yard ten yard passes the whole game and I think that's going to be at the top of their radar here either another lineman or go go and get a receiver so two has some, someone to throw to so Ira I, I, there's a few real Jekyll and Hyde teams in the NFL and we've seen the Rams. We really don't know what we're getting week to week. My New York Giants, they looked good for five weeks and now they look terrible. But what is going on with Vegas? I I just don't, I don't know what this team is day to day. They lost Derek Carr, but it was almost addition by subtraction because Marcus Mariota looked fantastic against a defense that wasn't ready for him. But still, Chargers get the win here in overtime. Yeah, it was, I had a fantasy draft, basketball draft while this was going on. So I'm like watching it with one and Marcus Mariota comes on that game, and he played well. I mean, they signed him. They were paying him like $8 million a year yeah. as a backup, and he had 226 yards, one touchdown, one reception, and ran for 88 yards. And it was like one of those games where, boy, the Chargers of every single game comes down, besides the New England game, where how in the world they got blown out by 35 points or 45 points is crazy. But sort of that they're in almost every single game. This game was, this game was decided by uh, uh, by a touchdown like three weeks ago. Remember, they scored the touchdown, had beat the Raiders, and then they said, no, it didn't count. They took it away. But it was like Darren Waller for the Raiders, nine catches, 150 yards. He just is, every time they just throw in the ball, he like stopped Darren Waller. He's like their star wide receiver. But, I mean, people talked after the game, another good game from Justin Herbert. He's getting a lot of love. There, he's Every week it seems to be like, Wow, Justin Herbert has he's been on these primetime games that people are like starting to say, Wow, he is the best young quarterback. And he looked you look you loved how he played. You were texting me the whole game. Uh, I I of uh, going back three years, so going back to the Baker Mayfield draft, including Kyler Murray, I like Justin Herbert better than every quarterback drafted since then. I would take him over everyone. And Josh Allen second, probably Burrow third. I, I I'm just that impressed. Look at the steps Josh Allen's made in three years. He didn't look like this as a rookie. Justin Herbert looks fantastic as a rookie. And I think it was good in this game to go into overtime and then score that touchdown. Remember, the Raiders went and kicked a field goal, so then the Chargers were taking time off the clock, and then they only played 10 minutes. It could have been a tie. You know, that could, but then they went and scored that score that touchdown and not just kicked a field goal. I think that was important. I think I think what he needed – I mean, the Chargers have so many tough losses. I think it's good to get a tough win. Like, I think they needed that type of tough win. And Herbert – and this year has been great experience for having these close games and what he's in there. But he throws a nice ball. The, the arm strength is definitely there. It's something we didn't see in his mobility – everything. I mean, he looks like jo- he looks like almost Josh Allen is right now. I mean, you've got to be big and strong. And that's what Tua, Tua is not that big yeah. and strong. And you like, like when you look at Justin Herbert, you're like, boy, he's going to, like they were, like someone was like, he looks like a young Ben almost. Like someone's grabbing him on the leg. Someone's trying to tackle him and he's still throwing the ball 30 yards down the field. Yeah. And he's still a kid. I mean, when he's 27, he's got to have another 20 pounds of muscle, 30 pounds of muscle. Really excited for Justin Herbert's but career. It, but it, this ruined this end of the season for the Raiders. I mean, just yeah, a terrible, I mean, they're seven and seven. There's a, a very, very slight chance that they would, I mean, they would need everything to break uh, to, to get in, but just a bad, I mean, this is a team that's lost four or five games that really was looking for the playoffs, especially when they had the one when they lost. I think everything went wrong with the Chiefs game. They lose that close game to yeah. the Chiefs and then it's like, oh, they, they thought they had a ride and then it just messed their whole season up. It wasn't that, that they, you know, they remember, they're the team that beat the Chiefs this year. Yeah. So they have the talent, weren't able to put it all together. They, they beat Tampa too, didn't they? Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, it's not like this team can't beat good teams. Uh, Denver and Buffalo, Ira. So I was, 
you know, it was like five weeks where I was claiming just uh, Josh Allen is Russell Wilson light. Then he kind of had a little slump. But, man, the last three weeks, this is back to MVP caliber. Not that he's going to win the MVP by any means, but he's got to be up there in the conversation. He looks amazing. Well, this game was on Saturday, which I think is pathetic. The NFL was playing against all these college games. But I'm just trying to – so I'm watching this game on – I had four screens out. And it was like – again, it was, it was a little close to the beginning. But – I was intrigued by it because Josh Allen was born like out west. I mean, he went to Wyoming to play, and Denver passed on him in the draft. And yeah. it's like, if there's any team that would know about Josh Allen, it'd be Denver and John Elway, who's been searching for this quarterback. I mean, they got Peyton Manning in, but really, besides Tebow, I mean, they're, they're searching anywhere. Drew Locke is. Drew Locke does not look like the quarterback. And no. it's like they're trying. And, and there's Josh Allen right in their backyard, Colorado and Wyoming, or right next to each other. They, John Elway takes a quarterback in the first two rounds every year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Buffalo but Buffalo had that big win against the Steelers last week. Then they come back with this. They're 11-3. and three. It's their first AFC title since 1995 when Josh Allen wasn't even born. Yeah, it's he crazy. Wasn't even born. <laughs> and they had 534 yards uh, and yards to 255. Remember the first game of the year, even last year, it seemed like Josh Allen was just a runner. They were just using all his athletic mm. ability. But now he passes, and they use Zach Moss and Devin Singletary running. They had 182 yards run, rushing, um, 315-yard passing. They're like a balanced team. Like, they look like, again, I mean, everyone wants the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. The, you just said, the AFC is some Really, good. there's more, way more good teams in the AFC than there are in the NFC. Like you could almost say the top four or five teams of football are in the AFC, not the NFC. No, it's crazy, and it's going to be tough. And yeah, there there aren't that many teams, even if your record's good, that maybe aren't ready to beat the Chiefs. I think this team could beat the Chiefs. Yes. You know, they, they put the Titans on a short list of because they can run so well, but. I think that the Bills can, can beat the Chiefs. Well, you saw the Bills' defense and also the fact the ability to run. You're not going to beat the Chiefs unless you slow that game down. Yeah. And the Bills have shown with Allen and Singletary and Moss. Now, they don't do it every game, but you, but Tennessee can do it. The Bills can do it. The Browns can do it. The Ravens yeah. do it. Like, all these teams are sort of built right, except for the Steelers, to beat the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, with the exception of a few guys. Um, no, it, it should be interesting to see how it shakes out, but I, I'm excited for this Buffalo team, and it's just I feel good for the city of Buffalo. It feel, feel like they've been so long, so many broken tables in their parking lot. <laughs> their fans the are tremendous. Their they're fans huge. are amazing. Yeah, they're, they're great fans. They, they deserve this up in the, the frozen tundra of northern New York. Green Bay and Carolina, Ira, we knew that we were going to see Aaron Rodgers come out and look good. And, you know, for the most most part in this game, they had it covered. And then at the end, they kind of just stopped playing a little bit. It was strange. It, I, first of all, I'm, this is a weird game because they were up 21-3 in cruising. And then in the second half, they just stopped playing. They had three points the entire second half. They were outgained 214 to 49. So, like, if you took Aaron Rodgers in the first half, you're like, boy, you're set up. But I think this could have cost him the MVP. Because I'm in my back of mind, there's just two MVPs, Mahomes, Rodgers. And he only threw for 143 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. But uh, he gave up five sacks. And they ran the ball well with Aaron Jones, 145 yards. But it's like... It didn't feel like Carolina was going to come back and win the game, but it was still, they made it a 24-16. Carolina, but when you're up 21-3, you, you got to do something in the second half. They didn't. They didn't blow this team out. So, again, you want to talk about, you know, this was an important game for Green Bay because now they have the number one seed. Like, they, yeah. and you, in the interview to Aaron Rodgers at the game, he's like, we played terrible. Like, he was so mad about how he played. Like, we were awful or this, and they, they won the game with New Orleans losing. They're the number one seed, and it's like, they didn't, and when you watch them, they don't feel like they're the number one seed. They, they didn't play well. They couldn't close out a Carolina but team. The defense isn't very good, and, and that's the, why we look at them as not a one seed. I mean, they got lucky. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater had the ball down on the one-inch line. He reached across, and then the ball got knocked away. Yeah. They could have scored there. It's like, again, it's like Carolina, they were missing McCaffrey. They're missing a lot of other their players. Their defense was all out. So Green Bay was playing a depleted Carolina team and just could not put them away. Kansas City and the Saints. You just brought up the Saints. This was going to be a good game. I think it was pretty late when we found out Drew Brees was actually going to play. So that was exciting. And it was a heck of a game, Ira. 32-29. 32-29. Uh, again, boy, does every game feel like Kansas City just they, just, <laughs> they just hold on. I mean, they are just a team that just like, they just, they take the lead. They they don't take the lead that early, don't have to, but there's some point in the third quarter, they're just going to hold on that lead. They're going to take the game and they're just going to do what they have to do. And they're going to run the clock out when they have to. They are unbelievable. They're the four corners North Carolina offense. I mean, it was like one of those situations where they just, where uh, they were up 29, 11 minutes to go in the game. They're up 29-15. And New Orleans made that sandwich tackle on Mahomes. And I was watching with my mom. I got to give my mom credit. She was getting smart here on this. But I thought that could have been targeting on Mahomes. I looked at
after that play again, the Saints linebacker went right in with his helmet, crown of his helmet into Mahomes. I couldn't believe he didn't call a penalty on that because when they showed the replay, and this is Mahomes, who's the MVP of the league. I don't know why they didn't call a targeting call on that, but uh, that, that they, called, they caused that fumble. And then Kansas City got a field goal, made it 32-22. Saints made it 32-29. But then Kansas City gets the ball. Uh, Saints have two timeouts. Kansas City gets the ball. And what do they do? Second and eight, Mahomes to Kelsey. Pass, first down. Then they were able to another pass at first down. I mean, they just run the, they run the clock out. It's amazing. I mean, the stats were crazy in the game. I, Kansas City had for the ball 42 minutes. The Saints only 18. 411 yards to 285. Plays were like 92 to 52. So the Saints are credit for staying in the game. But uh, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the great running back for the Chiefs, got injured. It looked like it was serious. But yeah, now it, it looks like he just got a high ankle sprain that he's going to be back for the playoffs. And they're lucky they got Le'Veon Bell signed him because Le'Veon Bell's been looking great, staying fresh. So uh, it's like bringing in Le'Veon Bell is one of the best running backs in the league. So it's like it's a plethora of riches here for Kansas City. But it's another game but Kansas City just not blow these teams out but they just win by enough and uh but when you're playing the best team in the NFC this you know, people think this is the this is the preview of the Super Bowl let's um you know your your Super Bowl pick here is Tampa Bay and Ira it, Atlanta <laughs> we joke about that the Chargers you know let people back into games Atlanta was up 24 to 7 in this game it's like the Super Bowl all over again and they've blown a dozen other games like this where they have 20-point leads, and it's just phenomenal that Tampa Bay came back on them and won. Well, in the Super Bowl, they were up 28-3 over Tom Brady and the Patriots and, and blew that lead. The Falcons are the first NFL team this year to blow two fourth-quarter leads of 15 points in two straight <laughs> games. In two straight games. They are the, and they're so talented. And Matt Ryan had passed for 50,000 yards. He's going to be, he's going to pass Dan Reno for touchdowns. I mean, it's, he, it's just, it's inconceivable what happened with Atlanta and their, and their decision-making. But Tampa was down 17-0 at halftime, 24-7. And then we're able, Brady, just on fire, passes everywhere. Antonio Brown finally caught a touchdown pass, yep. a beautiful 46-yard pass. I mean, the joke was they're saying is like, what happens if we get the game? Well, Bruce Arians like scripts the game, which doesn't work, and then they say, Tom, you take over and figure out. Because against <laughs> Kansas City, the same thing. They came back. But you're starting to see what I've been saying. Again, look, I said two things. Tampa Bay's going to the Super Bowl, and the Rams are frauds. And Tampa Bay is going to the Super Bowl because they are just there. They, Tampa Bay in the second half scored on five straight possessions, four touchdowns and a field goal, and then their defense turned it up. Devin White had three sacks um, on the Atlanta in Atlanta's final five possessions. They didn't get a first down. So in order to have these great comebacks, like what Florida couldn't do against Alabama was Florida yeah, couldn't stop, stop Alabama. <laughs> like in order to have a comeback, you actually have to stop, and that's what New England did against Atlanta. So that's what I like about Tampa. They were able to stop him. Brady looks like he – and those balls he threw like the one to Brown was just I mean it's picture perfect and the Lee Evans was perfect and uh, just I am pumped about uh, Tampa Bay at nine and five and there's they're not going to you know they're not going to get the bye but they're definitely this puts them in a strong position for the playoffs absolutely it does a- another team Ira that we've talked about just about 10 minutes left here on Iron Sports True Oldies Channel Tennessee didn't really they have an identity we can't take that away from them but they were up and down and now they rattled off four in a row and the Titans are once again a team that nobody's going to want to see in the playoffs Boy, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, we say this again and again, 273 yards passing, three touchdowns passing, two running at five touchdowns in a game. Then Derrick Henry, 147 yards rushing. He's 1,500 yards, uh, the fourth back to ever do that in successive years with uh, with 15 touchdowns. Um, Tennessee's defense isn't the defense like last year. They're giving up a little more points, but uh, just to blow out Detroit, doing what they have to do. Uh, but they're 10-4. and four. I mean, again, these teams, the Tennessee, we're going to talk about Indy, uh, Cleveland, Baltimore, all these teams are really good. Buffalo. Indy had to keep pace with Tennessee to uh, keep their playoff hopes alive, and they did. Yeah, they and Houston, again, so like two games ago, they had a chance to win the game at the end. They fumbled, Watson fumbled the ball. Now this again, another <laughs> fumble at the end of the game. It's like one of these things. They keep losing to Indy by fumbling the ball. Um, and again, we talk about Deshaun Watson, a monster game stat-wise, but he's 4-10. and 10. Again, Matt Ryan, the, when you look at the stat, they're 4-10. Atlanta's 4-10 and 10, with Ryan and Watson quarterbacks who are having tremendous, tremendous years, but they're, they're not doing enough to win the game. It's not just the stats. It's like the key moments of the game that you have to do. Philip Rivers, what a great signing for the Colts. He has been the perfect quarterback. Imagine Jacoby Brissett in this position. I don't think they would have no. do this without, without Rivers. And uh, Jonathan Taylor, the star running back, uh, is now coming on. The guy from Wisconsin playing great, 83 yards and a touchdown. But it was like one of those games where Indy did it, it just their defense is very, very good, and uh, they were able to hold. And they, they make these plays at the end of the game. So Ira, I can admit when I was wrong, and you were right about this the whole way. You keep saying that the Rams are just not who they're being portrayed uh, by us in the media or by their record, and I've been 
the opposite. I mean, man, like, did these guys really play defense. I don't love Jared Goff, but they got the skill position players. They found their running back, and they found a loss to one of the worst teams in NFL history as the Jets beat them yesterday. And that was just, I know all my Jet fans, friends in New York, are not happy. And that's not a real fan, but, hey, it is what it is. Well, the Rams have now, they beat the Seahawks and the Bucks, but they lost to the Dolphins in a terrible game. And the Dolphins weren't even playing well. They've lost to the 49ers, but the 49ers didn't have any players. And and now they've lost to the Jets. The, they came into this game with the thirty second, with the first-ranked defense, and the Jets had the 32nd-ranked offense. So you know, the best <laughs> offense was the best defense. And I, I'm leaving the Dolphin game, and the score is 20-3. And I'm like, 20-3? Like, it must be, it must have been 23-3. Like, I, I think the guy gave the score wrong. Like, because I couldn't, I couldn't get the score from the stadium. It wasn't coming up there. I'm like, what is going on? This is the most ridiculous thing. Um, and then at the end of the game, look, the Ram, the Jets were terrible. Frank Gore, who's 40 years old, like Tom, is running the ball 24 times. And they finally, the Rams were able to get um, the score back to 23-20. They kicked a field goal, and the Jets went three and out. And then the Rams at 37, so it was third and four. And they had two long passes, which was so stupid. Like, they had it. They were down by three. They, they, they're, they're throwing these long passes instead of four, going for the first down. And then the worst thing is, this is what what's so why the Rams are frauds. The Jets were down by three points with four minutes to go when they get the ball. The Rams had like a timeout left. How in the world do they not get the ball back? The Jets were like the Chiefs running the clock out. That's pathetic. I mean, how do you let Sam Darnell throw the ball, Gore run the ball, get two first downs on that? They're deep. This Rams defense is frauds. Their offense is fraud. The whole team is a fraud. The coach is a fraud. I'm telling you, the Rams are, are just, they're just tricking everybody. And then, then they're exposed in a game like this where they weren't ready to play against the, one of the worst teams in the NFL history. No, it's really embarrassing. If you're a Rams fan, that's embarrassing. And you think this team's going to go to the People think this team's going to go to the Super Bowl? I like, thought they had a shot a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> My, how things change quickly in the NFL. Uh, speaking of changing quickly in the NFL, Carson Wentz went from an MVP candidate two years ago to riding the bench behind Jalen Hurts. But in Jalen Hurts' defense, he's looked good. He looked good. And for Eagle fans, they're 4-9. They're not going to make the playoffs. But the Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals, won 33-26. Kyler Murray looks like he's getting healthy. They needed to win this game. They're, they're right in that Knicks for that final wild card spot in the NFC. But this was a game that the Cards had to win. Uh, Murray and Hopkins having 169 yards. He's back. Uh, changed his gloves. He was saying he was playing with the wrong t- size of gloves. He went from a 5XL to a 4XL or whatever. And that's why he's catching catching much better. So that's great for them. But that was a big win for Arizona. Um, well, do you think Carson Wentz is an Eagle next year? I mean, no. I know, think all these rumors got... to the Colts now to get him back with Frank Wright. There's there's salary issues, but they're, they're, they have there's thirty like, million of dead money. Right, regardless. And they're going to have to they're going to have to eat it. I mean, there's no way because I think it's now it's not just they have this whole situation between Nick Foles and Wentz and Foles won the Super Bowl. But I, first of all, I'd bring Peterson back. Like I'm not, he won the Super Bowl. Like yeah, I Doug get, two, the coach. two years ago, a guy wins the Super Bowl. I don't think, I think if Doug Peterson gets fired, he's going to get a job immediately. You don't win a Super Bowl and upset New England and then, and then, then get fired the next day. So I think that's crazy. But I think Wentz, there must be a, a locker room problem with Wentz. He seems to be a very, he's just not the wrong place. This is a Ryan Tannehill situation. I think he's got to get out of there and go somewhere else. Uh, Browns and Giants last night. I thought, I didn't think the Giants would win, Ira, but I thought they'd look better than they did. They got, they looked like garbage against the Browns. This is where, this is what Baltimore and Cleveland. They both had that game last uh, Monday night when it was just back and forth, back and forth, crazy win. Game of the year. Ravens, Ravens win. And the Brown, unlike what the Raiders did when they had a tough game like that, and then just say, oh, look, we played the Chiefs really tough. We're so good. The Browns came back, had a win like this. Mayfield looks great. It's like one of those games where Mayfield's happy with himself. I mean, he only had, he is now playing great. I mean, everyone's wondering, Stefanski should be the coach of the year. He's 27 for 32. Only missed five incompletions, two touchdowns. They ran for 100 yards. Everything's going right for the Browns. It was a perfect game for both. I mean, as a Steeler fan, now I'm nervous. Now we have these two great teams there. But the point is, it was weird that they both came out, both teams had dominant performances after a game where you would think that they would have been, had a letdown. Unlike the Rams, who had the letdown, these two games should have had a letdown, and they both blew, you know, the the, uh, Ravens beat at Jacksonville, and Browns beat Giants. Um, So you you brought up the Ravens, and you got to at least, you're playing the Jaguars, so you, you expect the defense to look good. But you have to admit that Lamar Jackson seems to be playing a lot better this past month than he did the first two. Again, I mean, it's 26-0 at halftime, but it was, I really believe that, that that something triggered in that Ravens 
uh, Browns game with just when they were going back and forth on touchdowns and I, something happened where something an energy in the building, maybe the first energy stadium or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> or what it's called, that whatever happened. But I think that Lamar Jackson, fun, he came back after the locker room when they said he was in the bathroom or not in the bathroom, but suddenly it has just changed. And I think putting J.K. Dobbins in that lineup, we've been talking about J.K. Dobbins all year, giving him the, the running back, giving him the ball, not having the three-headed monster rotation between Edwards and Ingram, whatever. Dobbins is extremely tough. Like, let him run. I think the Ravens are, are just in a, in a tremendous shape. I, I'm a little worried right now if I'm Seattle. If, if I'm, I thought that Washington would play good. Washington does a lot of things well, and they're good on defense. So I, I thought they were going to stay in this game, but they, Seattle just really didn't look good. There's a stat. I don't know if I had a stat, but I don't remember a game that is weak that Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson both threw for under 150 yards. Russell Wilson yeah. threw 121 yards. 120 yards. This is the MVP candidate. One touchdown, one interception. And Washington had Dwayne Haskins at the quarterback throwing the ball 55 times, and they didn't blow this team out. I mean, again, th- these are teams like Green Bay and Seattle, two teams that are your favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. That's why I love Tampa Bay so much because I'm not sold. It's not that I love Tampa I love Tampa Bay. But, <laughs> but it's not just even that. It's that I am not sold on Seattle. I'm not sold on yeah, Green Bay. I'm now. not sold on these Rams. Like, I'm not sold on these other teams. I'm certainly not sold on the Giants or Redskins whoa, or whatever. Whoa, whoa. NFC East <laughs> no, is going to be like, in this to win it. I'm telling you, Tampa's, Tampa's going to be playing at home. I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, Bengals and Steelers tonight. The line is massive. I desperately need a lot of points out of Deontay Johnson. So if you could make some calls for that, Ira, <laughs> I would appreciate it. What do you think happens tonight? I think the Steelers, look, the Steelers have, they're, they're going to right the ship. They've had a couple games in a row. The Washington-Buffalo game. Now we're back to... I just think that they're this, the Bengals. They're they're in good shape with them. They're not playing Joe Burrow. They're going to go against Ryan Finley. The line is at fourteen and a half. Um, I'm still. They're going to write this ship. This is this is fine. The steel. This Steelers have this. They do this during the years. Every, I've watched them my whole life, and since Tomlin's been the coach, there's always a couple games where they and they were undefeated, and they they just they've been injured. Now, I'm nervous about defense wise, but this game is going to be a blowout. I'm, the next week against Indianapolis, that's the game where it's going to be key next week. Pep Steelers Indianapolis. Let's talk about college. Basketball, real quick, Ira, because you think we might be seeing the top team in the country already. Gonzaga beat Iowa. So Saturday at twelve o'clock, I'm watching the game, and I it was one versus three. Iowa has this guy Garza who is absolutely tremendous, seven almost seven feet tall. Um, but it was like he was he was thirty points, ten rebounds, three blocks of this game. But Gonzaga blew out the number three team in the country, and Gonzaga is so good. Jalen Suggs is uh, is a freshman, and he's one of the top freshmen. But Gonzaga with Kispert, Timmy, Ajay, they were they shot fifty percent from three, thirteen for twenty six from three point line. Uh, Iowa, who is one of the best three point shooting teams in the country, only made uh, four out of twenty two. I've just Gonzaga's not going to lose a game. Now they're going to play Baylor. They're going to try to fit this thing where they're going to play Virginia in a couple weeks in Baylor. But I'm telling you, I have never seen a team like Gonzaga play in terms of in recent times where they have the great young freshmen, but they also have this senior leadership and juniors and the different type of mix. And Mark Few is a brilliant coach. This team. No team's gone undefeated since Indiana in the 70s. And I think this team is going to be the team that's going to win the Final Four and go undefeated. Gonzaga is not going to lose this year. That should be interesting to see. Uh, speaking of basketball, Ira, I don't know if you heard. This is uh, some real hot, uh, hot stove stuff. The Heat have ended their pursuit for the Rockets' James Harden. <laughs> what does that even mean? I think it means that the Rockets might have called the Heat and they go, would you like James Harden? And they go, no. <laughs> I think the pursuit was the pursuit was answering the phone from the Houston area code and then the, then the action of putting the phone down because I cannot imagine a player that does not fit the Heat culture like James Harden. Like, he's the anti-Heat culture. Everything Don't play wrong. defense. Just shoot shots. Don't <laughs> pass. Just just be about yourself. Like, what about James Harden screams heat at all? And also be out of shape. I mean, he's the yeah. most out of shape player. And the heat have like a zero. Look at Bama Bio. Like the whole team is like they, they eat right. They're exercising. They're, they're the, the most in-shape team in the world. Like, they get criticized. I love this fact. The Heat make it to the NBA Finals last year, and they get criticized. Well, they're not really that good. They just were in good enough shape because they stay in shape. So when the when they went to the bubble, what? So you're telling me that an athlete being in shape is a good thing? But I'm like, <laughs> it's being held against them. I'm like, no. I think when we go to a regular season, I think the fact that there are finely tuned great athletes in phys- great physical condition means that I don't care if they're in the bubble or not in the bubble. Don't hold this against them for next year. If you don't think they're talented enough to beat someone else in the East or whatever, I don't know, Embiid and Simmons. I, of course, there they are also are. a dozen guys who are play selfless. Exactly. And James Harden is the exact opposite exact of that, opposite. like you said. I like it. This didn't even get to Pat Riley. This was a, like an, a, a receptionist. We just laughed and hung up the <laughs> yes, phone. Yes, it was, it was the receptionist. It was the receptionist working at their house who picked the phone up watching, you know, and said, uh, goodbye. And yeah, I said, no, this is not. If I tell Pat this, I'm going to get in trouble. Um, 
So golf fans are an interesting breed, Ira, and you're one of them. You're waiting for Tiger to be back. That might not happen, but I think people are already saying Charlie Woods is going to be the next Tiger. So there was a little research done today. When Tiger was 11 years old, he entered 36 tournaments. He won 36 tournaments. He was 36-0 as an 11-year-old. So Charlie might have a little ways to go, but, man, he looks good for a kid. I don't think Tiger played in front of, like, millions of people that watched that, that tournament that wasn't. It was weird. I mean, I thought it was – I watch. I just saw highlights of it, and it's pretty amazing. I mean, he's he's just they, – they, he dresses like Tiger. I mean, it is hilarious to see that. He looks like stro- his clone. strokes. They wear the same outfits. They The strokes are perfect, and he hit some great shots in that. I just don't – I mean, he was been – this Charlie Woods has been so protected. He's only 11 years old. He's not like he's 16. And and LeBron protected his his sons too, and, and he was, but he's been so protected. And then to see him out in this public where he's playing, I think it's just, it's just a shock, I think, to see that. Um, but it was – I just hope I said, look, I hope people just – you know, cut the brakes and it's nice and it's great. Let the kid be the kid. Let him enjoy being what he does. Um, he's the best, you know, best teacher as a best, uh, instru- you know, teacher you could possibly have in Tiger Woods as your father and teacher. But I just think I want to pump the, I'm, I'm like, it's interesting, but I'm just, I hope he just enjoys playing golf and I just hope he enjoys his life and does everything. I mean, he lives right around here. So he he's got a four hole course in his backyard. Yeah. So I mean, I just, again, I just, it was interesting. People love that story. I just thought the line Justin Thomas said, Justin Thomas, goes uh i don't I, he goes he goes uh, he, he talks charlie talks so much trash he goes he talks trash all the time he's never beat me in anything i'm like justin thomas you're like one of the top players in the world <laughs> what, what's he gonna beat you at he's 11 years old it's so funny uh before we wrap it up let's talk a little boxing canela alvarez beat colin smith and in a in a super middleweight championship i think uh Camelo Alvarez at 30 years old is one of the it will go, is already one of the greatest fighters of all time. He has fought everybody. I mean, and I was reading a column that some boxing writer wrote that said, "Well, he's really not that good." How in the world can he be that good? The last fight he's, he fights everyone. He fought for the light heavyweight title against Kovalev a few months ago. Uh, last year he beat Jacobs for the middleweight title. He's fought Triple G, who's supposedly unbeatable and everything. He fought him to a draw once and won the other time. He beat Michelle Michael Cotto, Kirkland, Shane Mosley. Uh, he fought Floyd. Mayweather when he was real young and lost it. In this fight on uh, Saturday night, destroy Collinsworth. Collinsworth undefeated, the super middleweight champion of the world, and, and and it was like to me one one judge had it eleven one the other eight three the other had eleven one total destruction. Uh, Camelo it looked as good as he's ever looked. He can fight from light heavyweight down to middleweight. He's tremendous, I, and I love the fact that he's fighting. He fights three four times a year. It, it's good stuff. Ira, what are we doing this week? Well, we got a lot of games to watch. I mean, I think it's going to be exciting in terms of coming in. We got no college football per se, except if you want to go to Tuesday to see that game. But, of course, the NFL plays on Saturday this week. They have good games on Saturday and good games on Sunday. So that should be pretty exciting. We are at and the NBA is on Sunday. NBA starts this week, and the 25th has all those games on, on Christmas. And Day. you had nine more drafts this week. Yes, nine more <laughs> fantasy drafts. We are out of time. On behalf of Iron Mike, let's talk next Monday night, Iron Sports.